Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to. $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with Rave. Review. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Days, my man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I uh, recently trimmed the beard. SEC media day special, I guess. Hopefully by midseason it'll be uh, full again. 
I, I heard you. I don't know if it was on Paul Feinbaum or it was somewhere else, but you said that your uh, your wife was a little upset with you. She said she she married a man with a beard, and what's this clean shaven look? I thought that was pretty funny. That's correct. And my my youngest daughter, my three year old Hattie, did not recognize me when I got her out of bed with no hair on my face. So I I scared her a little bit. Oh my gosh, I love that man. Hey, I'll ask you since I just got the question. I was asked your favorite Gamecocks football poster. Do any of them stand out to you? I mean, I know you're a Gamecock by trade. I, again, I said the the 06 poster because I literally got it signed by everyone. And I remember going to those fan days in like 2013, Brad. Again, I was just talking about, bro, you couldn't get an autograph when Clowney yeah. was there. I mean, it was a madhouse. Yeah, what, uh, year, yeah. what year was it with uh, Spurrier in the middle holding the football? And I think there's like five players around him kind of going out like that. That was either 11 or 12. Okay, I think 13 yeah. was the year that we had two quarterbacks on the poster, Shaw Dill- Dylan and Thompson. Paul, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how you know you're a good football team. You got two quarterbacks on your poster. So, anyways, Brad, it's a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. It's, I feel like it's been forever, and obviously this time of year, I mean, somebody said it best earlier, I feel like football season's begun, at least for people like you and I and content creators out there and folks locking in picks and talking heads and people who just love to talk college football, talking season – as the HBC called it, man, college football has begun. And I want to start with, I have locked in my SEC record predictions. And more importantly, we'll start South Carolina first, then get to the entire SEC. I've got the Gamecocks, same as you actually, identical to you. Seven and five, four and four in SEC play. I'm sure you saw the predictions I put out there. I think maybe the only place we differ, I've got the Gamecocks getting upset by Mississippi State but beating Kentucky late in the season, losing to Clemson in the season finale. But I want to ask you this more importantly, Brad. Either way, no matter how you slice it, what games you pick, seven and five feels about right for the Gamecocks this year. What say you? I think I tweeted in May, Chris, that Gamecock fans need to temper expectations just a bit if those expectations are nine and three, ten and two. Is this team good enough to get to that double-digit win total? Yes. Does everything have to fall into place for that to happen? Yes. And we know following Gamecock football over the years, it takes a lot to get every ball to, to bounce your way. This schedule is just not conducive to a 9-3, and 10-2 type finish. The offensive line has to be light years better than it was last season. Spencer Rattler has to be good. of the season, not 33% of the season like he was last fall. There's got to be a run game with only four scholarship running backs right now. That's kind of dicey. I do think the defense is going to be better, but yeah, seven and five, that would hit the Vegas over under of six and a half. I think it's a safe bet to put South Carolina at, at seven wins, but as always, man, there's several seesaw games talking about Missouri, Kentucky home against Florida is not, an automatic win based on what we saw last season against a down Florida team. So several games on the Gamecock schedule, including UNC in that opener, mm-hmm. that are must-win opportunities. And I was just looking again at your game-by-game picks, Brad. I mean, you've got South Carolina losing to Mizzou, but again, you got them beating UNC. I'll just go down the list. Beating UNC, beating Furman, losing to Georgia, beating Mississippi State, losing to Tennessee, beating Florida off the bye, loss at Mizzou, loss at A&M, win over Jacksonville State, win against Vandy, win against Kentucky, and then a loss against Clemson. So, again, you and I both, 7-5, and 4-4, four and four, shake it up however you want. I think with those swing games, and I was breaking it down that way earlier this week, Brad, with, you know, I like to do wins, toss-ups, and losses, and it's funny. I caught a lot of grief from people because they thought 
they thought I wasn't going to throw a prediction out there, and I was taking the easy way out by putting every single game of the Tulsa. But that's what makes, I think, Brad, this season so interesting. I mean, to your point, everything would have to click, fall in line. And I think that's what's so tough about kind of evaluating the Gamecocks this year is they were so brilliant for two weeks last season. Two, those two weeks against Tennessee and Clemson. So bad for the other 10 weeks. Let's just call it for what it is. And so I've got eight swing games ahead of this season. Now, admittedly, you know, I think I can throw Florida in the wind bucket. I'm, I'm not high on Billy Napier and the Gators this year. And I feel confident throwing Tennessee in the loss bucket. I just don't see the Vols losing that game after having it circled all offseason. But still, six swing games. And Brad, I feel like a broken record saying it, that swing games will once again determine the outlook of South Carolina season. The season opener against UNC, Chris, is one of the bigger games of the year that's really hadn't been talked about nationally. I think UNC is likely going to be the ranked team over South Carolina in that game. I've seen most preseason polls have UNC in the 21-22 range. If the Gamecocks have been ranked in any, it's been 24 or 25. I do think South Carolina is a better team athletically. I think the Gamecocks have an overall better roster. Shane Beamer has done an excellent job his first two years of recruiting. But going into that game at the quarterback position, Drake May is a better quarterback right now than Spencer Rattler is. I think UNC's offensive line is better than South Carolina's. And the best player on UNC's defense is that middle linebacker, which we've seen Rattler have a tendency to struggle against teams that have really, really good linebacker play. Early against Clemson last year, it it happened too when you know Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter had that interception return. So I think that's a vital game to start the season for the Gamecocks in Charlotte. You win that game, you beat Furman, you're 2-0 going to Georgia, likely inside the top 20. And then that's where, you know, Shane Beamer has a chance to really make his money on this new contract enhancement. Beamer's already beaten three ranked teams at South Carolina. That's three more than any of us thought he would over his first two seasons. So a lot of big games early for the schedule for Shane Beamer and company. So, Brad, you talk about that UNC game. And, again, we got a long way to go, so – uh, but I got to ask, you know, you mentioned they've got the – UNC's got the advantage at quarterback, got the advantage at O-line. What do you think it is that pushes South Carolina over the edge in the season openers? It simply put that the Gamecocks have just found ways to win games like that under Shane Beamer. Do you think Rattler does outduel May? Like, what would you point to as reasons why you've got that one as a W? Yeah, I don't trust UNC's defense at all, and I'm, I'm not so sure it's going to be so much improved from last season. You know, Gene Chizik, the D.C. there, he has said throughout the offseason he feels better about this year's unit, a lot of returning starters. But Spencer Rattler is one of the better quarterbacks, and this offense as a whole is going to be one of the better units UNC has to face all season. That's the first of four consecutive pretty tough non-conference games for UNC to start off. They also play App State, also play Minnesota. So September is going to be tough for Mac Brown. And I just think the Gamecocks, in terms of a recruiting head-to-head rivalry, as Beamer and Mac Brown always have. Gamecocks have UNC's number. Beat them last time in Charlotte with a shell of a team in that bowl game with the carry-on joiner at quarterback a couple years ago. So I think South Carolina puts a statement, you know, at Bank of America Stadium in, in early September, and Gamecocks start the season 1-0 with a pretty good win against a UNC team that is probably going to hover around seven or eight wins. Brad, any thoughts on Mac Brown's sort of gamesmanship comments over the last week or so saying, oh, everybody's picking South Carolina, nobody's giving, you know, how they finish the season, how we finish the season. It, it definitely felt like peak gamesmanship, especially when you factor in UNC is the favorite in Vegas, Brad. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I, I just whatever you need to motivate your team in July. I get it. You know, Shane's probably doing the same thing inside the Gamecock <laughs> locker room, but he's not doing it publicly. Right. And I don't know why Mac Brown said that publicly when, look, anybody outside the Palmetto State is probably picking the Tar Heels to win that game in Charlotte, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the way it seems like with, with Drake May projected with Caleb Williams as you know one of the top two quarterbacks in 2024 NFL draft. So. Uh, Mac Brown, I mean, you know, th- those comments to me were kind of off the mark because <laughs> anybody who's following that storyline of that game in September knows that UNC is the prohibitive favorite. But, uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Shane's talking up the kind of the underdog role now and uh, the the fact that the Gamecocks are a two-and-a-half-point dog, I think, in that opener. Mm-hmm. Now, moving through, Brad, your SEC prediction. Again, these dropped in, what, late June. Yeah, June the 20th, the SEC football ultimate guide uh, predictions, order of finish, final records, what have you. And you had preseason predictions for the entire SEC. Sticking with South Carolina, you talked about Spencer Rattler, that he'll challenge for South Carolina's single-season passing yards record. And I like that you said in this, almost by default yeah. because there's so many questions with the running game what do you expect out of Spencer Rattler a dabble Loggins offense and again I would agree with you Brad that you know listen the running game might turn out to be a surprise but until we see it I mean Brad there's nothing on paper that suggests that South Carolina is going to be better running the football and that's coming off a season last year where they finished outside of the top 100 nationally I was going to say the the Gamecocks last season, Chris, averaged about 1.4 yards per carry prior to contact, which was like 128th in FBS, meaning the offensive line did not open holes despite there being talent back there. And a lot of the guys, you know, didn't didn't break tackles, didn't have many good games. There was there was not a Kevin Harris caliber running back back there last season. So I think it's very important for South Carolina to to try to establish the run. They're they're going to, obviously, but I think even if a bad year comes apart from from Spencer Rattler, he's going to hit 2,900 to 3,000 yards passing because he's going to have to for the Gamecocks to score points. You know, we don't know how this Dow Loggins offense is going to look. We don't know if it's going to work out beautifully for Rattler, if he's going to struggle a little bit in September trying to, you know, find his bearings in this offense. But everything I've been told throughout the spring and the last few weeks here in the summer is – Rattler is a whole lot more comfortable with Dow Loggins calling plays than he was with the other guy who's now at Nebraska. And I think that he's going to be able to find a rhythm as a passer, and you're going to see his yards per attempt go up too. Will Rogers and Rattler, I think, were the two quarterbacks in the SEC who had the fewest yards per attempt last season. And you can blame that directly on Satterfield. That's not Spencer Rattler's fault. A lot of stuff in the screen game, a lot of stuff behind the line of scrimmage. And to me, that shows an OC that wasn't all that confident in his quarterback. And you're going to see that change this season with Dow Loggins being a uh, supremely confident and who I consider one of the SEC's most talented signal callers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I was just thinking about there was a stat <clears throat> that South Carolina, I think, threw the most passes behind the line of scrimmage last year. Sounds I mean, accurate. just... Swing pass sat, man. Was it peak form? Uh, something that will help this year. He's got one of the best weapons on the outside to throw to, Juice Wells. You also add Trey Knox from the transfer portal, Arkansas. Can Xavier Leggett, that was someone I saw you talking about on Twitter, him stepping up after, after he finished the season strong. Uh, just talk about the array of weapons that Rattler has, and specifically Juice Wells. How would you rank him amongst the SEC's uh, best pass catchers? Yeah, I think Juice is the SEC's top returning playmaker. I, at, at really – any any skill position you know he's a guy that I think if if he could get 85 catches this season you're probably talking about 13 1400 yards and possibly a day one late first round uh selection next season juice is a guy he can play the slot he can play outside you know if if teams try to double him or, or bracket coverage you're going to see a guy like Leggett have a really big year he's he's my breakout player I think at the wide receiver spot in the SEC you know, Leggett has an NFL body. He's added, what, 12 to 15 pounds of muscle based on the photos and, and the intel that, that we've received this summer. So, And then Nicholas Harbour. Um, I did not include Harbour in my top 10 most anticipated Gamecocks this summer only because I'm just not sure yet what his role is going to be, you know, the first quarter, first half of the season as he kind of adjusted a college game. He was not an um, early enrollee. You know, didn't didn't go through spring, so he doesn't have that edge over some other uh, freshmen in the SEC. But obviously, he's going to get some targets, man. He's he's huge, he's fast, and in the red zone, when you have Harbor and Trey Knox outside of Georgia, that's that's two really good red zone threats. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what this red zone offense can do and who besides Juice Wells steps up in that wideout room. And you add Joshua Simon at tight end as well, who they're really high on. You talk to people yeah. behind closed doors. They they love his game, the transfer from Western Kentucky. Defensive side, Brad, I, I admittedly am worried about the defense. And I think if you look at my score predictions, um, and, and also because, listen, the, it, it's offensive. It's an offensive game. Like, if you're not scoring 40 a game, you're probably going to struggle. But I think the Gamecocks, Brad, what concerns me, you bring back Eamon Worry, DQ Smith. You bring back some nice pieces, Tonka Hemingway, Alex Huntley, Jordan Strawn's back from injury. Mo Kaba at the linebacker spot. He's back from injury. But you lose six of eight in regards to snap count for guys up front in your front seven. 
Linebacker has been an eyesore. You're counting kind of on some young guys. You lose your top two corners in Cam Smith, Darius Rush. Can Marcellus Dial and O'Donnell Fortune fill in? And again, you've got Nick Imawari and DQ Smith, who were freshmen all SEC, or I think even freshman All-American last year. Really good players as true freshmen. So how do you see this defense playing out? And again, we just talked about running the football, Brad, stopping the run. The craziest stat I've seen this offseason, I think it was from uh, Lindy's preseason magazine. Shout out to them. Five consecutive seasons, the Gamecocks have finished 10th or worse in the SEC in stopping the run. And last year, they were outside of the top 100 nationally. Overall outlook for the Gamecocks defense this upcoming season. So that that last point, Chris, do you think that's a personnel issue or a toughness issue? Because that's two very big differences there. Well, I'll tell you this, Brad. I think South Carolina upgraded by – hiring Travian Robertson as their D-line coach and Jimmy Lindsay going to LSU. I actually went on an LSU show and they asked me, what can you tell us about Jimmy Lindsay? And I said, do you want what you want to hear? Do you want my brutally honest opinion? And so I think the Gamecocks, it's addition by subtraction when it comes to their D-line coach. I think the last few years, and especially during the Will Muschamp era, there were so many just big trees at defensive tackle that, you know, when a running back ran by them, they'd get a fingertip and – he'd already be at the linebacker position. And, and that's that's a five- or six-yard game before a point of contact. D- defensive tackle play has to be much better at South Carolina. Obviously, losing your two bookends of the transfer portal, Edmonds and Birch, was was not something Shane Beamer saw coming. Um, the Gamecocks didn't do a great job of, of replacing those two. However, I do think getting Jateus Gear from Syracuse was a absolute home run fit for this program. Day one starter. He's going to be the guy that I think can challenge for eight to ten sacks if he stays healthy and and plays enough snaps. But the secondary is going to be fine. The the two replacements at corner from the NFL draft picks, both those guys, you know, come with uh, experience. You know, both of them had interceptions last season. We saw in the bowl game both both played well. And at safety, you've already mentioned Smith and Eamon Worry being two of the best players in the conference. So linebacker play has to improve. You know, that's that's been a Achilles heel for the Gamecocks really since Sky Moore left. And we're, we're talking about um, seven or eight seasons almost since, since then. So linebacker play has to be better. And if you don't get pressure up front in the SEC, this league is filled with too many elite quarterbacks. You're you're going to get beat downfield. So, look, I mean, Clayton White, he he gets paid the big bucks to draw up something in the dirt to uh you know, generate a pass rush, whether it's exotic blitzing or sending a corner, sending a nickel, you know, whatever. You're going to have to find some uh, very creative ways to get pressure on the quarterback this season. Yeah, Brad, and I like Clayton White a lot, and so I'm not saying this. I almost say this tongue-in-cheek, but uh, or I might whisper when I say it, but I think Clayton White, his favorite coach over the last couple of years, was Marcus Satterfield because we were all so worried about how bad the O was. There wasn't a lot of pressure on the defense. I think there's no. some pressure this year. I think there's pressure, too. If you're losing games like 45 to 28, I think people are going to kind of start looking like, okay, what's going on on the defensive side in year three? Hey, let's talk a little Beamer ball, Brad. How much do you factor in? You know, it's hard to factor in special teams and, like, counting on that sort of thing. But, I mean, South Carolina threw two seasons, man. Beamer ball is woven into the fabric of this football team, making plays on special teams, trick plays. We've all seen what Kai Kroger can do flipping the field, throwing touchdowns. Mitch Jeter went perfect last year in field goals and 
obviously what they can do in the return game as well. I mean, Xavier Leggett, the kickoff return touchdown against A&M, that flipped that game on its head. So when you're making predictions, do you feel like that's worth maybe an extra win that you wouldn't have given South Carolina otherwise? You know, Pete Limbo is the not only the best assistant coach on Shane Beamer's staff, he's the best special teams coordinator in college football. And it's pretty rare, Chris, when you can say the Gamecocks have a coach who's the best in college football within the power five at, at anything, you know, this, this is a program that's a borderline top 25 every year, but it's not considered, you know, one of those playoff elites contenders that everybody talks about. So for Shane Beamer to have not only landed Pete Limbo, but seen this through now he's the highest paid special teams coach in college football, got that extension. So, you know, that, that speaks volumes to kind of what Beamer is building on his staff there, but you know, does it, does it add a win or two? Um, that's probably a better question for one of the odds makers in Vegas. But, you know, if you're getting three or four touchdown passes this season from Kai Kroger <laughs> and, and you're getting, you know, 10 more first downs or, uh, you know, 10 more game-changing plays on that side of the ball, then, then maybe it is. But as we know, in the SEC and, and in that opening game against UNC, a special teams play, whether it's a punt block or a late kick or a special teams touchdown, that can be the difference when, when these teams are so evenly matched. So, you know, I I fully expect the Gamecocks to once again have the best special teams unit in college football because the last two years, that's exactly what Pete Limbo has showed. Brad, I want to get into your SEC predictions as a whole really quickly, but I have to ask you about Gamecocks recruiting. You mentioned Nicholas Harbor, and we've talked, I think you and I have talked, and I know you've talked on different shows about the successes that Beamer has had in recruiting to this point. Dylan Stewart is now that guy in this recruiting cycle. I know 24-7 put a crystal ball in for Ohio State. Dylan Stewart's sort of playing the recruiting game with dropping a South Carolina video. Then like three hours later, he's dropping a Ohio State graphic. So he's enjoying himself, having a lot of fun as he should. But I know you're really confident. You feel like the South Carolina staff is confident that they're in a really good position to land him. Your just thoughts on the recruitment of Dylan Stewart and also this 2024 class. Yeah, this Gamecock staff has made great strides with him. You know, obviously, I think we have him as the number two edge rusher, 2024 class, top top 15 player overall. Another, you know, high-impact, program-changing guy, just like Nicholas Harbour was last cycle. If if Shane Beamer can average one five-star per recruiting cycle and about 10 to 12 four-stars, then he's going to have a perennial top 15 program here in the not-so-distant future. The, the Gamecocks are in a – Great spot with him. I do think it's between the Buckeyes and the Gamecocks. Dylan's going to announce later this month. The The three leading experts in our network of 24-7 sports have all taken Ohio State in that crystal ball, and they all did it within a few hours of each other. So what that tells me is they all got the same intel from probably the same one or two sources, right? And, you know, I my, my source might be different, but everybody in the Palmetto State feels really good about this kid and – like I said, the strides this staff has made over the last few months in, in getting Dylan Stewart to campus a couple times, including his official. So uh, right now, July 7th, I would still crystal ball Dylan Stewart to South Carolina. But like I said previously, man, I don't make crystal ball predictions. <laughs> 16 and 17-year-old kids can can change their mind, you know, in an instant. So um, I will say that I think NIL does play a factor here. And South Carolina's NIL efforts are equal of Ohio State's, if not better. 
Yeah, I loved how you put that disclaimer, by the way, <clears throat> in that video you posted. I am not a crystal ball guy. I think that was that was smart to do. Uh, either way, let's get into these SEC predictions just really quickly, Brad. I want to run through these. Um, you've got Georgia winning the SEC East. Surprise, surprise, 12-0, 8-0. Tennessee finishing second. So you feel like the Vols are the second-best team in the East. South Carolina at third. And Tennessee 9-3, and 5-3. and three. South Carolina 7-5, 4-4. Four Mizzou 6-6, six 3-5 and six, three and five in the league. Coming in at fourth. Kentucky at fifth. Six and six, two and six. Florida five and seven, three and five. Vandy five and seven, one and seven. There are so many storylines from here we could talk about. I feel like I'm a little bit higher on Kentucky than you are. I've got the Gamecocks beating them late in the season, but Devin Leary, Liam Cohen, I think I'm a believer in that offense. What do you feel about Kentucky this year? Yeah, those predictions were post spring, and my my updated ones are coming out. You know it. SC okay. Media Days. And They're always getting weeks. updated. I know that. So I, right, I, I don't, right. yeah, these are, these are in, uh, in pencil. We'll put it that way. Yeah. I, I would lean <laughs> Kentucky closer to eight wins than, than six right now mm-hmm. with, with that game against South Carolina being, I mean, to be honest, the biggest, probably the biggest SEC game for both those teams on their respective schedules. I mean, one team's going to finish above expectations nationally and one's going to finish below. And usually the winner or loser of that game, you know, dictates where that lies. So, I'm with you, Chris. Devin Leary, as you know, I, I live here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I've seen all Devin Leary's games at NC State. He's an elite quarterback. I think he can be an early-round pick if he stays healthy. You know, to, the biggest reason to me that he ended up at Kentucky and not a Alabama or another program maybe bigger that was in looking for a quarterback, Notre Dame, is because that pectoral-slash-shoulder issue he has, nobody knows if, if he's 100%. And – Kentucky's O-line has been horrid the last two years. Gamecocks took full advantage of that in last year's game. We saw some mistakes there on offense without Will Levis in there. So, you know, Kentucky is going to be better on offense with the, you know, bringing back Liam Cohen. But uh, I I still feel pretty good about Kentucky finishing with six or seven wins. I might might stick to that six and six prediction. In the SEC West, Brad, you've got Bama finishing 10-2, and 7-1, and one, winning the SEC West. I've actually got LSU taking it. Uh, LSU at 10-2, and 6-2. and two. Arkansas, 8-4, and 4-4 four, four and four at third. A&M coming in at fourth, 8-4, and 4-4. Four, four and four. Ole Miss also 8-4, and 4-4, four, four and four, a log jam. Auburn, 7-5, and 3-5. and five. Mississippi State, 6-6, six and 2-6. Six and and uh, Georgia over Bama in the SEC title. Let me ask you this. It's a really fun question. I feel like it's the question everybody has. Georgia... Alabama, LSU, I feel like those are pretty much the clear-cut top three teams in the SEC. Who is the fourth-best team in the SEC? Yeah, for me right now, early July, I would, I'd go with Tennessee, only because I trust Josh Heupel more than a few of these other coaches that are maybe in the mix, maybe Elaine Kiffin, uh, someone like that. I like Joe Milton a lot, Chris. I, I've, I've said it you know, throughout the offseason. I think he can be in that elite-tier quarterback and, and make a – meteoric rise sort of like Anthony Richardson did last year at Florida I mean AR-15 didn't play all that well on the field but then we got to the pre-NFL draft evaluations and all of a sudden you know he's a top tier first round guy Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Milton's accuracy at times is an issue he's already lost multiple quarterback competitions during his career but if for some reason this Josh Apple offense does not click in September they've got a five-star quarterback you know, behind him that by all estimation, he's ready to play. He's he's even more developed right now than Arch Manning is at Texas. So uh, Tennessee's going to be good this year. 
brutal schedule, but a lot of their tough games um, are at home. They get Georgia in November. They get South Carolina at Neyland as well, and they've won, what, four or five straight against them in Knoxville. So, yeah, Tennessee's a team that I don't have in that, you know, six to eight team elite realm right now. But as far as fourth best in the SEC right now, I'd, I'd go Vols. Brad, I appreciate you taking the time. Last thing before we get you out of here, if South Carolina is going to overachieve, let's say nine and three, right? I feel like that would be, you know, give, surpassing give, last give year's Shane a 10-year extension. Yep. Okay, well, my question is this. What would have to happen? Like, what's going to have to click that maybe we're not expecting to click? Is it as simple as run game and slowing down the run? Like, what has got to click for Carolina for that to happen? I think it's kind of simple, man. Execution offensively. Like we've seen this team beat college football's best when they're good on first down, they can convert on third down, and they make plays when the opportunities are there. The, you know, that that Tennessee game last season, a lot of us thought that it was just some crazy performance that, that might not be replicated. And then we saw the following week, Rattler bounces back from a pick six, a interception in the end zone, the Gamecocks to snap a 40-game winning streak against a rival. I mean, things are changing in Columbia, but in order to keep this momentum, you know, the, the Dow Loggins hire has to be the right hire. Spencer Rattler has to be the elite quarterback that the Gamecocks thought they were getting two years ago when he came over from Oklahoma. So to answer your question in short, for this season to, you know, raise above expectations and, and potentially hit nine or ten wins, Rattler has to be good. Dow Loggins has to be a great OC hire. And when the chances are there, the game cost got to make plays. Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports, one of the best in the business. And, Brad, I couldn't help but sit here and think. It was around this time four years ago that you and I were doing game-by-game predictions. Even before that was even before I moved to Columbia. And now we sit here today chatting and we'll be conversating in person and just a little bit over a week at SEC Media Days, my friend. That last thing, what are you most looking forward to at SEC Media Days outside of, you know, yours truly getting out of Azkaban and making an appearance? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, some of the – some of the no, – I guess the not-so-known stars in the SEC. You know, last year in Atlanta, as I was uh, flying to Atlanta, I knew Bryce Young was going to be there, Will Anderson was going to be there, Will Levis, Richardson, all, all these first – first round, early round picks. The SEC is sort of free of superstars right now outside of maybe Harold Perkins at LSU. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing who who Shane tabs as the Gamecocks three representatives. I don't know if if you made predictions yet, but I think it'll be Rattler, Juice Wells, and Eamon Worry, most likely. So I said Rattler, Wells, and Kai Kroger. Keep the okay. Beamer Ball brand going. I, I mean, you know, I, I know the, That's a fun bringing, pick. the yeah. bringing the punter is not the flashiest thing, but I mean, when you got a guy like Kai Kroger, why not? When he's a superstar, it is flashy. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Not your typical punter. Brad Crawford, 24-7 Sports. Brad, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. We'll do it again soon in person. Can't wait to see you at SEC Media Days. Good to see you, buddy. Take it easy. Yeah, man, take care. Take care.